Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. These two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, have had their chance. And they've blown it. Oh, come, nobody ever reads manifestos during the election. Sean, you know that. They've taken our policies. Such a collection of chancers and charlatans. It can't be like, here, vote for me, bye. Yeah, I should be the Taoiseach now. This is Election Daily, the special series from the Inside Politics podcast team at the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Every evening we keep you up to date with what's been happening in the general election. We don't need to say general election campaign anymore because the campaign is over. We're well into day two of the count. At the time of recording, there has been all kinds of shenanigans going on. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Jennifer Bray, who's on the line uh, from the count in Dublin, still going on. And Jennifer O'Connell is in the studio. Uh, Jen in the RDS first, to avoid confusion. Um, what's been happening with you this afternoon? Yeah, so um, most of the counts here in the RDS uh, have wrapped up. Um, I think they're still counting in Dublin Bay North. Um, and the, the count staff are kind of clearing away their all of their paraphernalia. So I think, um, just to paint a picture, I suppose, I think if yesterday was sort of a, a day of shock here for, for many people, I think that shock has kind of worn off a little bit. And I'm not not to say like that the dust is settling because it, it's not but I think what we're seeing today is a lot more sort of raw emotion a lot more anxiety because once those Sinn Féin candidates took the lead and topped the poll in those different constituencies around the country and when that celebration was had in Sinn Féin the focus obviously was always going to turn to the second and third fourth and fifth seats and that's when I think the anxiety started to set in and the uncertainty because the question was where would those transfers go how would that impact on, on the rest of the uh, candidates and how would that play out and some of the constituencies that I was watching uh, here and then just catching up on uh, outside of the RDS you could see that it did play out that those huge Sinn Féin votes, those huge first preference votes did kind of distort the way that these counts traditionally play out between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil because it pulled candidates from the left up the ballot paper per, per se and, and gave Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil kind of a run for their money so I think that something's played out is something that will be further analysed in the next few days but um, yeah it's it's uh, still it's still a lot of emotion around I will say I can see a lot of the um, uh, uh, the politicians staff either relieved or devastated and yeah mm. it's interesting um, I, Jennifer you were in Waterford, uh, in Waterford last yeah. night and there was one of those massive Sinn Féin transfers which, or Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin surpluses which, which Jenna is referring to there. And it is very striking where those transfers are going and who's benefiting from them. And in fact, there are several TDs who are not in Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin but should be pretty grateful to Sinn Féin today. Yeah, I think um, in Waterford it was Una Dunphy from uh, People Before Profit who, who seemed to be benefiting most from the transfers. But it, you know, it was really interesting to be there last night because um, David Cullinan got elected with twice the surplus. He, bas- he basically, or sorry, with twice the quota. He basically had two quotas. Mm. So he got, he got 20,569 first preference votes. And that just then throws everything else 
else into disarray because nobody else knows how they're doing. Everybody else's vote is then depressed as a result. Mm. So other people were telling me they were kind of 2 to 3% down on where they'd hoped to be on the first preference count. And it was really difficult to predict what way his uh, his his second preferences were going to go. Presumably the tally people were frantically trying to see what the preferences were. Yeah, on and we'd hear like the rumours would change every half an hour to be like, well, he's not, there's no, he's not transferring at all. There's like, there's, it's first preference only. And then it was like, Una Dunphy seems to be doing quite well. And then he himself told me that he thought Marco Kosick, the Green candidate, would do well based on the fact that Sinn Féin had been asking people to kind of transfer left. Marco Kosick was telling me he didn't feel that confident. He was kind of worried. Um, but the big story, I think, you know, uh, there was Fianna Fáil's Mary Butler was in contention and she did, she polled very well on the on the first preference. So it looked like she was going to she was going to retain her seat. Yeah. Um, and then the other candidate, independent Matt Shanahan, looked fairly safe as well. So it was really down to two Fianna Gael candidates, uh, Damien Gagan and John Cummins and Marco Kosick and it was anybody's guess early in the evening what way it was going to go so it made for quite a tense atmosphere there because um, you had these two running mates sort of in this quite small space uh, hanging around <laughs> together uh, trying not to look too dejected Damien Gagan did admit to me that he was feeling very down he was very despondent he'd expected to do an awful lot better um, John Cummins his running mate actually did poll very well um, in the beginning and, and he was quite confident and quite upbeat and delighted with himself that he lost a stone campaigning and sure look it'll, it'll, it was all a bit of crack anyway and uh, onwards and upwards and we'll go into opposition and, and we'll keep an eye on things so it was really interesting it went on until the small hours I didn't stay um, I didn't stay for the whole evening but I kind of I, I retired at around half past eight and there was I think ten more counts or something or seven more counts that, that went on and after it did, that. it did complete last night it did complete yeah they finished at about half three in the morning and Okahazig of the Greens won the, won the final got the, seat yeah got the fourth seat so it's it's it actually really interesting um, this morning I was in uh, Waterford just you spent a little bit of time in the city I had to bring my kids to school and a couple of things to do before I came up here um, and it was funny because I was meeting a lot of people who I know would not be Sinn Féin voters um, who should have been a bit more dismayed at the outcome of, of the results, but they were quietly kind of pleased because um, he's one of those candidates who I think is extremely popular even outside of his his core vote base. So even people who said, I could never vote Sinn Féin and I, I wouldn't vote Sinn Féin, but like at least we might get a minister now down in the southeast, and uh, and he's you know and, and he's seen as very strong. Matt Shanahan, the independent candidate, is, is seen as as very strong, and Marco Kosick from the Greens is also seen as he's, he's very new to politics, but he's um, very impressive as well. So I think actually, conversely, even outside the core Sinn Fein vote in Waterford, there's a bit of optimism today. There is also okay. That's interesting. Whereas back and um, back in Dublin, presumably there's optimism in some quarters, Jen. I mean, there's similar kind of pattern somewhere. If you look at something like Dublin Midwest, fantastic Sinn Fein result. First of all, delivering, you know, it, they used their two quotas to deliver two TDs, uh, Ona Bryn and Mark Ward. But there were more transfers still had a lot to play. And it looked very unlikely that, um, that Gino Kenny of PBP would get through. But he did squeak in in the end. He did. I mean, Gino Kenny conceded yesterday and only to go on uh, to actually win a seat today, um, which was a, a surprise, obviously, to him. And I think, uh, you know, when I was out and about uh, canvassing with Ona Bryn, well, I wasn't canvassing with him, following him. Um, he did say, you know, give me in Dublin Midwest, give me your number one, or give Mark Ward your number one, or give me your number two. But you know, I did hear him saying to people, and then if you want to give Eugene Kenny your number three, so it just seemed to be uh, a strategy at play there. And it's not, you know, Dublin Mid Midwest is one very interesting constituent, but another one, something that developed uh, late overnight into the small hours of the morning in courts at West, and that was uh, 
Holly Cairns, who was the Sock Dems candidate. Now, she was in fourth position, but once uh, Sinn Féin's Paul Hayes was uh, eliminated, she got 3,000 of his transfers, and that got her over the line. Um, and she bet Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard, very well known in the party, would have expected to get a seat, and she pipped him to the post. I mean, that that is a huge level of transfers to be getting, and it, it shows that the Sinn Féin, those, uh, those huge votes, they're going all over the place to the left. They are going a lot to PBP, but they do go to the Sock Dems, they do go to independent candidates. Uh, I was having a look at Wexford there and I saw that after Johnny Mythen was elected, Verona Murphy, who now also has been elected, picked up a good chunk of votes and as did the PBP candidate down there um, as well. So There's, a, there's think, a big difference between Verona Murphy and the PBP though. Oh, completely. And, and this is what I'm saying. I mean, I suppose it depends on... Verona Murphy is kind of this unknown quantity in a way. Before the election, the by-election, she obviously was known for talking a lot about kind of immigration um, and would have been considered kind of maybe far-right, I suppose. And now she's kind of talking a lot about housing over the last week or so I hear and, and getting on, which was it surprised me, to be honest. So those transfers are going kind of mainly left, but it is uh, it is fascinating to see kind of the way that they've changed how those counts have played out. Even look at Dublin Northwest. Uh, the conventional wisdom was that it would be a decent vote for Desi Ellis, a decent vote for Ocean Shorthall, and the Paul McAuliffe would far outstrip Noel Rock. But as it turned out, Desi Ellis's huge vote pulled Conor Reddy, PBP candidate, right up from the bottom, put him in contention uh, for a seat up towards the end, and it, it caused a lot of anxiety around the candidates in the in the RDS. Now it did turn out that it was Desi. Alice Roshin Jordan and Paul McAuliffe but just to even be in the mix in a way that they wouldn't have been before uh, is certainly uh, fascinating I, I think it is fascinating and one of the things that strikes me about, about it is you have this huge wave of new Sinn Féin voters voting for Sinn Féin for the first time you have Sinn Féin I heard Louise O'Reilly uh, talking about how Sinn Féin had advised their voters in Fingal to, to, um, to vote left primarily the PPP and um, I'm surprised at how obedient all these new Sinn Féin voters were or were they really being told to do something that they wanted to do anyway which is to vote for anybody except the establishment parties? I think I tend to think it's the latter um, a little bit. You know, I do I do think that they were incredibly well organised. Um, they used social media really, really cleverly to kind of get vote left, transfer left going. Um, it reminded me a little bit of, you know, Fianna Fáil in the heydays of, of Bertie Hearn in terms of their ability to just like manage vote and know exactly what was going on. On the, one hand, on the other hand, they didn't manage the votes all that well because they could have brought in two candidates in a lot more constituencies if, if they'd if they'd run them. But I think um, you know I'm not convinced that we're seeing this ideological sweeping aside of um, of, of you know the old ideologies and that we're what we're seeing is is some kind of a, a revolution of ideas. I think it's I think it's more pragmatic than that. I think that people you know and certainly the sense that I had when I was out reporting on this from the beginning was that people wanted a change for quite pragmatic reasons um, rather than ideological ones. And it was to do with housing. It was to do with health it was to do with childcare, it was to do with tax, it was to do with all those things that, that we've heard over and over again. Um, but there was, a, there, so there was partly that and then there was partly an element of wanting to, to push back against the status quo. And I think that was very strong amongst younger people that they felt they'd inherited this binary political system from their parents that was not fit for purpose anymore, that didn't say anything to them. Um, and, they, and they sort of feel, well, why not change it? You know, we've, sh- we've shaken things up before with repeal and with marriage equality referendum. So I think there was kind of two, two, at least two different things going on. I mean, there's probably dozens of things to be unpicked here in, you know, in the Sinn Féin surge. But I think um, those are the two of the things that jump out at me. One, I think it's just pure pragmatism. And the other, I think, is a shaking up of the status quo. 
By the way, uh, just to the listeners, don't forget that if you have been enjoying all our coverage of this election, you really should consider going to irishtimes.com slash slash subscribe, not just for our political coverage, but also for the unrivaled journalism on everything from economics to culture to sport to world affairs to lots of other things too. So remember, that's irishtimes.com slash subscribe. Jen, I suppose the other side of the coin of the uh, the enthusiasm for change, which Jennifer describes there, is the depression on the parts of those parties who are not seen as agents for change. And I think particularly Fianna Fáil, who must have been thinking on Saturday afternoon that they had a good shot of uh, seat count in the high 50s, who by yesterday evening were looking at the mid to high 40s, and now we're looking at around 40. It's just been a, an inexorable decline in their prospects. It absolutely has, and, and I think there will be a lot of soul-searching now in Fianna Fáil over the next couple of days when they look. I mean, at the time of recording this podcast now, there's a 134 of 160 seats filled. 27 of those are Fianna Fáil, 37 of those are Sinn Féin, and 29 are Fine Gael. So it did not play out the way that uh, that any of us thought, let's be honest. And, you know, I think if we look at the, the a few of the casualties, political casualties today... There are many, so uh, I'll pick out a few examples for you. Catherine Arda failed to win a seat in, in Dublin South Central. She'd be a big loss for the party. They really targeted that constituency, Micheál Martin, other party members. They canvassed hard and they wanted it to be one of their key gains in Dublin. Now, we saw from our exit poll that the party was polling far, far lower than they'd hoped in Dublin. 14%, I think, was what the figure we had over the weekend. Um, so they'll be very disappointed in that. Timmy Dooley... Obviously, another another casualty. Uh, it looks at this stage now. This could change, obviously, after the podcast goes out. But like Declan Bratnock and Louth might lose out, and that mm. would be the first time, I think, that uh, Louth hasn't elected a Fianna Fáil TD in decades. Uh, obviously, um, Fiona O'Loughlin and Kildare yeah. as well, another prominent yeah. figure. Exactly. Yeah. So that the the projections are are pretty. They're they're nowhere near. I think they're nowhere near even what they would have thought on a bad day at this stage. And it just shows the whole election has been completely distorted by uh, the way that those transfers played. It's been that the Sinn Féin surge was not just a surge for them. It was this thing that we're hearing about a vote for change. So um, there's those are the kind of high profile. Yeah, I mean, it's I funny. Suppose. It's funny, Jen. I mean, you say distorted, but actually looking at the projected outcome of seats. What has happened, the outcome of, the, the result of that, apart from an under-representation, slight under-representation from Sinn Féin, is that we haven't had the distorting effect we usually get in Irish elections, where the bigger parties get a seat bonus on top of the fact that they're the bigger parties. And we're not getting that this time, which, yeah, might be a good thing, not a distortion, the opposite of a distortion. Oh, yeah, no, look, maybe distortion is, is the wrong word. I'm using all kinds of wrong words to <laughs> no. take it yesterday. The last copy I have in my system. You, you, but you're, yeah. you're totally forgiven, really. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, yes, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it is as it should be. The people voted and, and that's the, this is the way it should play out. And it, I think over the next couple of days, it will be that focus on how will it play out. And I, there was a few interesting... Um, oh, here's the count being announced. <laughs> I think it was interesting to see uh, how the Fianna Fáil TDs, our new TDs, are commenting today on what's going to happen with Sinn Féin. Barry Cowan was out and he was talking about how uh, Mary Lou, her and her left-leaning parties should get together, form a government, find the £22 billion, and off they go. I mean... 
that tells you a lot about kind of where they're at. And he talked about how, you know, they made these promises, go out and allow the people to adjudicate on them uh, on a future day, you know. Basically, it was, you just go and try and give the people what you promised them. Off you go, have your own way. It kind of reminds me of a teenager who sort of worn their parents down to let them go out for a night. And the parents kind of relent, knowing that eventually the kid will have to learn the hard way. Yeah. That's sort of the way they're talking about it. So I th- there's a lot of, th- that sort of strange attitude is there. I know those, I just, those quotes just stood out to me, to be honest. Right. Jen, we'll let you go because that count is happening in the background. So yeah, we'll let, we'll let you go there now. No, that's fine. And I'll just ask Jennifer uh, one more question about that. Because funny, I had a very similar conversation with a very grumpy Fine Gaelor this morning who said more or less exactly the same thing. What, what, he, uh, what he said was, they can bugger off and make Richard Boyd Barrett their Minister for Finance and Ona Brin their Minister for Housing and they can come back in two years and you can see how that suits you all. Yeah, um, I, I, I've been hearing that as well. And I think, you know, I, I think Leo looks quite happy to go into opposition mm. now because I think it, there may maybe a sense among Fine Gael that they, that's where they're better off spending the next couple of but years. But that's and okay they come for back Fine Gael, but up. not so okay for Fianna Fáil. No, because they have some very hard decisions to make. Um, and I think, you know, and I think for Fianna, Fianna Fáil, the inevitable post-mortem that's underway now, it's actually probably... A, a bit more straightforward for them than it is for the other parties because I think um, the, the main thing that damaged them, you know, they couldn't position themselves as the change because of confidence and supply and I think we'll never again see a confidence and supply arrangement in Irish politics. I think that Fianna Fáil n- realised really quickly on in the campaign that it had been a massive mistake from a, from an electoral point of view, from an electability point of view. When I was out talking to people, you know, that would come up really quickly. Sure, they're no different. They're exactly the same. Sure, aren't they in government with them anyway? They're no different. So I think that absolutely destroyed their, their chances of, of being seen as any kind of a, a real change. Which raises the question of the future of the gentleman who was the main proponent of confidence and supply, exactly. the leader, Michal Martin, and that undoubtedly is already, I think, bubbling up as a subject of conversation this afternoon. We will, though, leave it there for today. Thanks to both Jennifers for joining us uh, today. Thanks also to our producer, Suzanne Brennan. Remember, you can find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You can get us at irishtimes.com slash podcast. You can mail us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com and you can usually find most of us on Twitter. We We will be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. 